0: I didn't quite hear that. Cook your bats. Cook your bats. Yes, don't eat raw bats. Uh, best to cook your bats. That was, that, that's useful. Anything else we discovered? Wow. It really underscored for us, didn't it, the importance of relationships and actually not just be able to talk on the phone or Zoom as good as that is, but to be in the same space with someone. Yep, I saw a hand here. We'll take one last one. more people well I don't know about the stats on that but certainly some people became more antisocial and more introverted but what I noticed in our neighborhood was that people started walking around the streets for the first time and started meeting the neighbors who they didn't previously realize even existed I think universally though one of the things that it taught us is this the need to be flexible to need to recognize that whilst we can have plans Plans can change and we need to be flexible. I ended up going to a wedding in Canberra that was originally going to be in Perth and then it was rescheduled to Adelaide and then Canberra. It was a great reminder, was it not, that we are not in control. Now, that is not to suggest for one moment that we shouldn't plan, that we shouldn't strategise or seek to use our time and resources well Nor does it mean that even if things can and do change, we shouldn't make plans. Indeed, I want to say we should make plans. But our plans are not always aligned with God's plans. And here's the question on view today. How, as disciples of Christ, do we ensure that we are aligned with the Jesus plan? How do we make sure that as disciples of Christ, we are aligned with the Jesus plan? Acts 1 gives us the answer. Jesus' plan has always been that mankind, all of mankind, would come under the sound of the gospel and come to the position of repentance and faith and be redeemed. Let me take a step back and and look at the bigger picture here, God's plan. His plan for the salvation was for all mankind. His plan was that the gospel would go to every nation. Or to use the language of uh, chapter 1, verse 3 of Acts, his plan was for the kingdom of God. Now, you're probably aware Luke is the uh, author of Acts. This is his volume two. His volume one is just known as Luke or Luke's gospel, the gospel according to Luke. And Acts 2 then picks up the timeline, a little bit of overlap with Luke, but then it picks up from then where Jesus ascended into heaven. And so these are the last words we have of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. And then Acts tells the story then of the gospel going out across the nations and the early church in those first couple of decades jesus at this point in acts chapter one had suffered had died just had been predicted many times but just as was also predicted jesus had after being dead in the grave for three days risen again from the grave and now he walks around with his disciples and he talks with them and he spends time with them and we read in this passage here he ate with them so what we know for sure is that dead people don't eat jesus is physically bodily literally alive he appeared with his disciples over the period of 40 days after his resurrection before his ascension to demonstrate that he was alive and that's what we celebrated the easter fairly recently he spoke to them during this period of time, during this 40 days as he met with them. He spoke to them about the, what next? The strategic plan. Well, kind of a strategic plan. Not a strategic plan like uh, we might know it or a five-year plan. or, or Nor is it like the Goulburn-Malwari Council's Delivery and Operational Plan 2022-2023, to 2023, which I had a look at during the week. Fascinating reading. Uh, I'm sure you've all um, had a good look at that. It's not that kind of plan, nor is it a modest plan. It's quite an extraordinary plan, really, but it is entirely in accord with God's promises from the beginning of time. This is the Jesus plan about the coming of the kingdom of God. Luke reminds us in verse 4 that whilst Jesus was having a meal with his disciples, he outlined this plan. (laughs) Now, we need to note here, this was not a bit of a suggestion from Jesus. This is not something, let's, uh, let me put this out on the table and we'll workshop it a little bit and get it up on the whiteboard. No, 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 no. The, the word used here, let's be very clear, is this is a command from God. This requires obedience to God. This was something that needed to be understood and obeyed. But here we have what in the first instance looks like a pretty odd plan. About 100 years ago, I used to work in uh, the corporate world and I worked for a couple of multinationals and one of those was uh, part of the Mars group. And I cannot imagine with the directors of, of Mars came up with a product that they thought would go gangbusters around the world, then they would have a plan like this one. That is, I cannot imagine the directors of Mars, when they're about to roll out the, the ice cream bars across the world, would be getting together with the uh, with the sales managers and saying, this is my plan. We have the product here ready to go, but I want you to just wait and stay here in Goulburn. Uh, Just wait. I mean that does that make any sense? I want us to see here the stark difference between the Jesus plan and the corporate world. Why would Jesus give the command to wait? To wait. Well, the answer is found in the next part of the verse, if you have a look at it there. Jesus' disciples are to trust and obey him. Jesus' command was to wait for the gift that his father had promised. That's what they're to wait for. The gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift which they'd heard him speak about many times. If they were going to seek off and, and fulfill what we know as the great commission from Matthew 28, to make disciples of all nations, if they were to charge off without waiting for the Holy Spirit, then what would they be doing? They'd be doing it entirely in their own strength, in their own abilities. But that is not the Jesus plan. The Jesus plan is to wait. Wait for the gift that God has promised. Wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then move forward according to his plan. God's people are to obey God's commands and to minister not in their own strength, But in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, he promised them in a few days they'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That event, which we know as Pentecost, came just 10 days later. And we read in Acts chapter 2, at that time it enabled the apostles to do quite extraordinary things. They were able, these are the guys who were hitherto scared out of their wits, and understandably so. And now they're enabled to be boldly proclaiming the gospel and to be understood in a whole raft of different languages simultaneously i had a look at the stats before here in canberra sorry mistake here in here in the city that's not the one i just said but goulburn it is goulburn i looked at i don't know why i said canberra it's part of the canberra goulburn diocese you know that the languages most commonly spoken in homes around here are number one english of course mandarin korean greek malay and arabic now imagine each of those people here this morning hearing me speak in english but actually hearing in their own language hearing in arabic hearing in mandarin hearing in greek and korean and malay in verse 8 we read that jesus promised that they would receive power when the holy spirit came upon them now i'm sure Your uh, senior minister doesn't quote Greek here every week, but I'm just going to give you one word. The Greek word is dynamon here, from which we get the English word. Have a guess. Dynamite, yeah. And what do we know about dynamite? It's powerful. It's not some obsequious little power. This is an extraordinary power. And that's what was promised. It is that extraordinary power that would enable them as followers of Jesus to be witnesses initially in Jerusalem but then into the neighboring areas of Judea and Samaria and then ultimately to the ends of the earth in these early chapters of Acts we see that the world is coming to Jerusalem has anyone here been to Jerusalem raise your hand no one yet yeah, few people have been to Jerusalem fabulous city isn't it a very interesting place you can understand why people would want to come to Jerusalem The city of David, the Mount Zion, the city on a hill. You understand why people would want to go there. It was the centre of the kind of known world for them there. And there in Jerusalem at the first Pentecost, they heard the gospel. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, thousands of people responded to the gospel. The Apostle Peter preached a sermon, a cracker of a sermon. It must have been 3,000 people became Christians on that day. Paul, is that above that's the standard here that's about what we expect yep okay see how it goes that quite extraordinary thing going on and then we read the Copernican revolution of global mission if I can put it that way came a little while later we read in Acts chapter 6 that Stephen gave this brilliant sermon He, he you know the way you teach is you take from the known to the unknown so he drew from all these old testament references and showed how jesus was the fulfillment of all the old the promises of the old testament that jesus was the messiah it was such a magnificent sermon they said stephen we love it we want to take you on a speaking tour all around so that more people can hear you preach And no they didn't do that they took him and they stoned him to death and again you kind of think what's going on there What's going on lord at that moment in time there were very few people who actually understood the gospel and had the capacity to be able to proclaim christ the way stephen did and then stephen is taken out by the lord after his maiden sermon what's going on lord but then we read They stoned Stephen to death in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out and all the disciples were scattered. Where? From Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and across the known world. So in God's economy, the stoning of Stephen was exactly in accord with God's plan. The mission then moved from being centripetal one that is the force kind of coming into jerusalem to and i hope i've got my science right here to a a centrifugal where it's being flung out because all the disciples then were scattered they had the gospel and they were scattered and they took the gospel out to the ends of the earth now the church has at times fallen into the era of operating as if our mission mandate is fulfilled if we simply build churches on top of the hill and ring a bell and say, people, want you come? Don't hear me wrong. Having ch- buildings is important. It is. But the mandate we have, friends, is to go out. I wonder, did the first century disciples... Do that which they were instructed to do. Did they do it? Answer? Yes, an emphatic yes. How do we know? Well, without wanting to be at all unkind to you good people in Goulburn, from the New Testament perspective of the early church, this is the ends of the earth. Is it not? And yet, here the gospel has come, now more than a century ago, From Jerusalem Judea Samaria to the ends of the earth those who took the gospel to those places they ended up in England and if you watch the coronation service last night you see and were reminded of course that the gospel was there in England and and they put evangelicals on the boats that came out to here a couple of hundred years ago to establish the Anglican Church here that the gospel would come to Australia Gospel to the ends of the earth, even to the ends of the far reaches of Australia. You see, and this is entirely in accord with the BCA mission that we would take the gospel not just to the cities, but to the regional, rural, and remote parts of Australia, places like Roxby Downs in South Australia, and, and Exmouth in Western Australia, and Cunanurra up there in uh, Northern Territory, and, and to Cowra. With your support the BCA mission is entirely in accord with the Jesus mission now we have something like 10,300 prayer supporters including some people in this room who regularly are praying to support the ministries of the Bush Church Aid thank you for those of you who have been praying so assiduously the Lord has heard those prayers obviously can I encourage you if you're not then uh, join us in prayer to support the ministries of the bush church aid as we seek to take the gospel to the ends of the earth if you open up uh, today's prayer notes you would see there that we've got the the deputationist in western australia and you've got Dennis and, and valda taylor doing great ministry amongst indigenous people in western australia the first nations ministries there trusting in the holy spirit thousands of people are praying and regularly giving to support the bca mission not because it's the bca mission per se but because it aligns with the mission that we have from the lord and that's what we need to ensure that our mission is aligned with the jesus mission so saint nicholas must continue to strategize continue to plan to reach the many people of goulburn who do not yet know jesus as lord and savior but whilst you must continue to strategize and plan you must not rely upon those strategies and plans but rather rely upon the power of the holy spirit that the lord promised to his followers prior to his ascension let me finish this morning with a word of encouragement now i know each place has its own unique character and goulburn is different to the other place i inadvertently mentioned before and different to other big cities around and that sort of thing i absolutely understand that. But they did some surveys across Australia back in 2020. And I found, I must say, the results a little bit uh, surprising. So the question raised was, uh, how many people would accept an invitation to come to church if asked by a friend or family member? What proportion of people would accept an invitation to come to church if asked by A friend or family member now maybe I'm a half glasses half full kind of guy but I thought the proportion would be pretty low the stats show that 37% would say yes 37% of Australians said if you asked a friend or family to come to church they would say yes another 15% 15% of people said yeah I'd be open to the idea that's a half People said they'd come to church, they said a couple of things were important. One is that you're enthusiastic about the invitation and that they felt they'd be welcomed well if they did accept the invitation. Now, that's not hard, is it? That's not hard to make sure we've got welcoming nailed and doing a great job from my experience this morning and we're enthusiastic about making an invitation. Be encouraged, friends. The Lord is at work. I reckon in a well-connected community like this, you'd you'd be at least average, if not above average, in terms of the response that you would get. What we can know, putting aside the stats, we can know this. Inviting people to come to this church where they're going to hear the saving message of Jesus is entirely in accord with the jesus plan who are you going to invite next sunday let's pray a gracious god and heavenly father we do thank you for your gospel the gospel that is planned for the salvation of all mankind father we pray please that you would give us a boldness and give us courage and give us wisdom as we seek to plan and strategize but as we seek to invite people to come under the sound of the gospel so that people right across this nation can hear this good news of jesus father we ask please as uh, we continue to take this good news of jesus to the ends of the earth to the remote places of australia give us a deep trust in you and and the power of the holy spirit we pray in jesus name amen